everyone, and welcome to another episode of Framerate. Tonight, very exciting night, we have our first ever Halloween special. I'm here with founder and co-host, Jamie Prater. And of course, I am Dan. Patrick couldn't be here tonight, but he'll be back with us uh, on the next episode of Shoulder of Orion. And we've got more frame rates planned for next month, which we'll keep secret, but I'm very excited about. Um, and then we'll probably take a little break for the month of the December. Um, we'll come back and announce exact dates, but we got a break coming up. But in the meantime, let's talk about our kind of uh some of our favorite spooky creepy gory movies let's but before we do if anyone the people who are listening to this this is a free episode of frame rate which is our patreon show so you in order to listen to the show generally you have to be a patron which starts at two dollars a month or yeah two dollars a month you get all of our back catalog of episodes plus the other episodes that we released for third free. i think we're at we might be at 30 films really? i don't want to lie i haven't wow. i'll count them during this conversation i'll let you know yeah so if you became uh, a patron or you become a patron you'll get this show frame right plus shit show and anything else that we do for patrons uh, it's it's a great little show that we have exclusively for the people who support our podcast which is shoulder of orion the blade runner podcast and perfect organism the alien saga podcast so thanks for listening today everybody and uh we're going to start talking about some freaky movies I just, I just want the audience to know we're in the mid thirties on our back catalog. So you go to perfectorganism.com forward slash support or shoulder, uh, sorry, blade runner podcast.com forward slash support and join our Patreon again, starting at two bucks a month. You instantly get access to all our back catalog of 30 something episodes and you will get at least two new episodes a month. Sometimes a freebie. Sometimes when we make a third one, we throw it in for free like tonight's episode. Yeah, and uh, it's a mix of us on the frame rate episodes. Um, so sometimes it's all three of us. Sometimes we have a guest. It's not unusual for us. To sometimes the guest is the me. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Jamie makes an appearance. Um, no, so we did recently uh, Lawrence of Arabia. I was super excited about. I did a lot of research for that. That was a really really fun episode. That also tells you a lot about World War One history. Um, we did. I'm thinking of ending things, which was a Charlie Kaufman movie kind of out of left field for me. I'm not used to stuff like that. And it was a trip, but super interesting. Patrick had a lot of great insights. So did Jamie. Um, we did a rebel without a cause or a rebel without a cause starring James Dean released in 55. We also did uh, with uh, another guest, the elephant man uh, directed by David Lynch. Fantastic film. There's tons of films yeah. that we've done, uh, but tonight we're here to talk about three specific films scary films films that we dan and i think are scary and they start with the exorcist blair witch and the most recent incredible masterpiece terrifying film hereditary which i don't think dan said he'd ever watch again because it scared him too much correct <laughs> we were kind of spitballing ideas yesterday and uh and you know patrick was throwing in with us too and um so we ended up kind of picking three films from different eras that are a slightly different subgenre, I guess you could say. Although, yeah, they're definitely different. Um, so, you know, Blair Witch was the first thing that came to mind to me. This is not chronological, but um, I thought of Blair Witch right away because I knew that was the first found footage film that then started a whole new genre of science fiction horror, which is really cool, you know, to actually invent a solid new genre, right? Um... And then, of course, the the Exorcist came to mind. I think maybe we both mentioned that one, but you know that's a 
old, old classic, um, very 1970s, cool cinematography, lots of cool um, in-camera, on-the-screen tricks, you know, no CGI, and ultimately terrifying, but also deeper. And then uh, Hereditary, which came out uh, a couple of years ago. I'll look these years up because I think can't think of them right now. 2018, I think. That sounds about right. I mean, honestly, Hereditary, and we'll get into our first times and stuff, but Hereditary, I was so disturbed. I actually stayed up and watched the Michael Jackson, like, abuse documentary because that was more relaxing than Hereditary. Oh, like, like Hereditary was really disturbing to me. I had a hard time with that movie. It was disturbing. So anyways, um, I guess we should start from the beginning and talk a little bit and we'll mention other horror movies but let's talk a little bit about the exorcist jamie well when how old were you when you saw that movie first like i was joking around on the about time episode uh i can never remember my oh, really? first experiences of movies um i couldn't have been that young that my dad's not like super conservative religious but i would still see him probably as seeing that movie as like inappropriate for a child you mm-hmm. know he's oh, like definitely. He, uh, you know like he can see this but like later in life. Um, so yeah, I think it was a little later in life when I started hearing rumors of like, Oh, kind of best horror film ever. Most suspenseful, most creepy, great possession story, kind of based on some true events. You know, you just like hear things about it because people talk about this film to this day. It's one of those films where you start looking at old articles in the history and people like are passing out in the theaters and freaking out and, Religious movements are protesting against the release of the movie. The director's fighting an NC-17 rating, trying to make it R so that more people, including 17-year-olds, can see it. I mean, it's like a cultural phenomenon at the tail end of the Vietnam War and Mm -hmm. a pretty important part of U.S. history in terms of um, social movements. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I couldn't see that film because I was raised very fundamental uh, in terms of religion. Yeah, no um, way in a Christian organization. Yeah, like I couldn't that? see no it way. until I was probably, I didn't see it until I was 17. They would not let us, of course it was sacrilege or one of those films that like, why was this movie Last even made? Um, it scared the shit out of me. Scared the shit out of me. Um, you know, directed by, um, oh my God, what's his name? I just had his name. Um, William, William Friedkin. Friedkin, yes. Directed by William Friedkin, who also went on to do other things. The Exorcist really put him on the map. He did, he did the French Connection, most famously. Yeah. Uh, he, he did also did Bug, which was with Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon a few years ago. Interesting film. But really, or French Connection was also hailed and lauded, but Exorcist really brought William Friedkin it launched him into the stratosphere no one had there had never been a film like that before that's scary and just not just scary but it was deeply disturbing and of course it also involved a child and the exorcist is essentially the mother of exorcism films most of the films you see today are born out of that most of the tropes you see in films today are tropes directly taken from the exorcist um and it was probably one of the first movie well there was a movie called something wicked this way comes when i was i think disney produced it years ago in the 70s and it freaked me out a little bit scared me um but the exorcist terrified me um and i think it was the tone and 
the everything was just pitch perfect and there was just this quiet on just this quiet deliberate tone where it was just there was not a lot of talking um there was a lot of like contemplating a lot of listening sounds atmosphere ambiance and that really played right into the story that they were telling perfectly absolutely sorry side note i was looking up um to see if the cinematographer is the same for the French connection and the exorcist. And sure enough, it is. And I was like, I knew it. I knew that I recognized those camera movements and that lighting. And just like this, it's got this very distinctly 1970s look, right? Like it is smack in the early mid part of that decade. And this is a time when New York is super violent and crime ridden, right? And um, even though most of this takes place in at around Georgetown University in, in Washington, D.C., um, the younger priest, the main character, Karis, um, is from New York and grew up in a Greek household with his mother in New York. And so he, you know, he has some memories of it. And, you know, not not to say that it shows crime or anything like that, but I'm just saying that gritty New York street scene that they show, you have to remember what New York that's coming out of, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course there's this really deep theme that runs through the film that while you see this possession and Regan and her family go this, to this atrocious stuff, right? Um, and it's terrifying and it's just as terrifying for them because you're watching the movie and you're like, God, imagine this is your daughter and this is happening to you. Right. Um, and so to really pull the audience in and make you feel what the characters are feeling is really part of the genius, I think, of the way it's done. And, you know, for to that point, maybe it doesn't really turn into a actual physical horror film until about two thirds of the way through. Now, there's an ominous feel to the whole yes. thing. Right. And oh, my God, what about. What about those opening scenes? Yes. I mean, we'll get to we'll get to Maximum Sitter, but those opening scenes in in Mosul in Iraq in the desert. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, oh look, it's Iraq, like before it was really at war, right? I'm trying to remember when the Iraq Iran War was, which was in the 70s. So certainly a militant um, society still, but in Mosul, that's a real dig site too. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the Nineveh uh, dig site. So that's a famous city from the Bible, which I'm sure you recognize. Yeah, and you know, although they're yeah, I think so. Although, you know, the diggers are going a little crazy and you've got, like, you know, I think excavations might move a little slower than that. Like it's not like it's very it was very Indiana Jones style, but not cheesy. Just kind of like, oh, they're showing a busy dig site. Right. And it's all in silence aside from the ambiance. It's all it reminds me a little bit of 2001 in terms of just the silence of the, just it's a pure cinematic experience. It's sound and imagery. And they're, you know, and then that. The, they find the little figurine and it's incredible. Now I feel like I need to watch it. So it's funny. We watched it last night, but because the only free version was on YouTube TV, I put it on that. It came with ads. It had like a couple of ad interruptions, which are annoying, but I was like, okay, it's free. I get it. I'll watch some ads. But I didn't realize till the end that we watched a kind of not heavily edited version, but like medium edited version. Mm-hmm. They like bleeped out some cuss words, didn't say some of the more obscene lines and it wasn't the director's cut or anything. So I was like, damn, I need to see this again now. But the opening scene I feel was probably untouched and it's got something very 
like it's dark and it's ominous, but it has some Lawrence of Arabia um, or even um, I can't reference a specific movie, but it makes me think of like when you read about Jesus walking across the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, it like has that kind of like a sacred tone. Mm, Like there's something important afoot, but the main story is about like the emotional environment Mm -hmm. of the desert. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that the desert environment that Von Sydow is in at the beginning is like um, it's a representation of how the movie emotionally feels mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like a, a a cold desert wind blowing something ominous in the distance. And yet you can tell that these are like important things that you're dealing with. Um, super interesting, by the way, Max Von Sydow, because when I first sat down, I was watching, I was like, damn, Max von Sydow was already old in the seventies. I'm like, he died this year. Like, how old was he? A hundred, right? He's 44 in that film, and they just put old age makeup on him. And I was like, oh, that makes way more sense. He's born in 29, mm-hmm. so um, the great Max von Sydow of um, the Seventh Seal fame and Minority Report and Game of Thrones. The, for, and, the I mean, Force Awakens. <laughs> he. he worked a lot he was yeah, a he very did. very successful actor very, and he was great yeah uh, very uh, incredibly incredible character actor um and just there's something regal about him um even his performance as he approached the character of what is it father father uh, kassar i think or kassar okay yeah but talking about his, the young young greek guy well his role in in the exorcist his name was Oh, it wasn't Father it's, Damien because um, that's Father the other Marin. Fa- Father Marin. Okay, um, he just even the way he approached that role was very regal and respectful. And what I love about The Exorcist and it's synonymous with films of the seventies is the way that they're acted, is the way that people approached character. It's there's a realism in a lot of the films made in the seventies that is not evident today. It's hard to find today. And The Exorcist is case in point of super, super realistic characters and dialogue brought into this very believable world. Everything you watch, it feels almost like a documentary. It feels like you're watching Grey Gardens or something. You know, and that's a great observation because I remember the cinematographer and their director talking about um, shooting this like a documentary. So... It's funny that you're catching that. Of course, you've shot documentaries, so you know a little bit about it. Um, well, yeah, it's. I mean, I'm. I'm also very familiar with techniques like Alien, a film that we all love and we've talked about. And we have shows about. Um, very similar approach. It feels very realistic. There's a very similar tone in the opening of that film. Very quiet. A lot of '70s films have this aura about them that are again synonymous with films of that decade for whatever reason i don't know why totally yeah Um, it's hard to hard to put your finger on exactly but they have a real life grittiness to them yes um you see this in scorsese's films from the 70s Mm -hmm. there's just something gritty and most of the horror movies um is carrie carries in the 80s but anyways yeah there's a real grittiness to these films um yeah so since we're trying to stick to the topic here, uh, what to you makes this such a, 
I know it's a great film on its own. What makes it a great horror film for you or what scares or disturbs you about it specifically? Linda Blair's performance of Reagan. Totally. Um, She's just this little cute little girl, you know, and her acting is out of this world. I don't know why she didn't win best actress for that role. She should have. Um, I have the answer to that one, but continue. Um, but really, she sold it. Uh, certainly, Von Sydow and the actor who played Damien, um, I can't remember his name right now, um, Ellen Burstyn, all of those all of those other ensemble actors were amazing, but Linda Blair sold that film. Linda Blair's, you can see her, her journey from naive, impressionable, lovely, little girl to all of a sudden what's happening to me? I don't know what's happening to me. And then those outbursts and then it gets worse and then it gets worse and then it gets worse. And then she'll go and when she's completely possessed, she'll have moments of help me, help me. And then she'll snap right back into the demon that has, I think it's actually Satan that has possession of her. Um, I think he claims to be, he oh, claims okay. to be, he claims to be the devil, but yeah. Our, our um, and also true. aided in part by, the sound design and the the voices that they use for her. Um, it's the effects, terrifying. Right? Oh, absolutely. All of those practical effects, in-camera effects, really. And again, it's also, I, I really feel like that movie created those tropes. A lot of the tropes that we even see in general horror films come from The Exorcist. So for The Exorcist, they were not tropes. That was just the decisions that they were making. And they approached them very intelligently. Whereas now, oftentimes you see those tropes from The Exorcist presented in other horror films or other exorcism films. And they just feel like, yeah, we've seen this before. This is a different version of it. It's not respectful. Whereas with The Exorcist, it was so much respect and reverence into the performance, into what that is like. Um, one of the only other films that I would re- that I would qualify as being close to The Exorcist is The Exorcism of Emily Rose, um, starring the woman who played Dexter's sister on Dexter. I can't remember her name oh, right now. Oh, yeah. I can't either, um, but I can see her face. But it's a fucking amazing and terrifying film, but... It's a film about questions like, was she possessed or was she not? However, um, really, so again, to circle back around, it's really Linda Blair's performance for me that terrifies me. What about you? Um, Yeah, well, I wanted to touch on the Academy Award for a second. So this film was nominated for, I think, nine Academy Awards. I'll check later uh, what wins it has. But Linda Blair uh, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. However... She did not do the voice to possess Regan. That older, croakier voice is actress Mercedes McCambridge, um, who sounds like almost a method actor, but she like, you know, ate raw eggs and smoked cigarettes and Mm -hmm. like drank to get that to accentuate that voice that way. And at first she didn't get credit, but then she kind of decided she did want credit for the role. So that story became well known around the circles of the Academy. And so there was no way Linda Blair was going to win that Oscar after sort of the bad, but it wasn't her fault really. But in fact, not at all. She's a 13, 14 year old girl, you know, and by all accounts, she was lovely to work with and a super sweet little girl. And the director just kind of, I don't know that he explained the deeper themes of the film to her. I think he just kind of 
um, he said he, he joked around with her and sort of was like a father figure with her and got her to do things as kind of like a little challenge. And well, I what's interesting, and we should probably move on to our second film, sure, um, sure, just for the sake of time. What's interesting is, yeah, maybe the voices weren't hers, but that performance sold those voices. Um, it's she should have won best. She should have won best supporting actress for it, but she didn't. Oh, I mean, they both should have. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to take anything away from Linda Blair's performance. She was terrifying, and especially for a young, inexperienced actor, uh, what a great job. Um, yeah, and, and I think there's something there to, um this element of faith you know you see sort of uh father Karras's faith eroding mm -hmm. way before he gets to the exorcism right i mean it is the 70s but like i thought the bar scene i'm like wow look at these priests just like in a crowded bar mm -hmm. in georgetown with college students smoking cigarettes and drinking beers i'm like these guys are like cops not priests you know what i mean like um and so that may just be a product of the times but also you can see the father Karras is like and fuck this. I kind of just want to go back to. Yeah. He's life. in full he's question like, mode for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, he is skeptical of Regan's possession. Right. And then he's working with father Maris. And when he realizes he kind of needs to take over, um, because father Maris has been killed. He's been war, wore out by this demon. You know, he couldn't, couldn't pull it off. And they're trying to save this little girl. And then he gets so aggravated, he gets violent, and then he he gets the demon to leave her for him, and then he commits suicide. And it's like, what a roller coaster in terms of fate and fate and faith, um, in terms of understanding your role and like why what you're doing is important, right? It's like, um, I mean, I'm not religious, but it's almost like God handed him like the most profound mission you could have possibly had, which was saving the life of this little girl who is being tortured, you know, and it's certainly not her fault. Yeah. I, I mean, that the whole concept was really deep and really is, it was interesting as a, as a social commentary, as a psychological um, thriller as well. And uh, lastly, I would say what one fascinating sub, uh, what's the term subtext i suppose it's not really even subtext is he is in deep within doubt and the demon that's possessing reagan or the devil or whatever knows this and uses this against him and that's brilliant it's brilliant um so what was happening too was it was a strengthening of his faith through the doubt of his faith um I, I, again brilliant storytelling a brilliant script and incredibly acted like all of those things were firing on all cylinders and it ended up, I don't really know too much about the making of the film. I kind of want to watch a making of, maybe I'll do that tonight. Um, There's lots of good YouTube videos on it. I'm sure. Uh, but it was, yeah, everything coalesced to make a, one of the scariest and still scariest films of all time. Indeed. So next would, let's talk about Blair Witch. And I think that came out in 96, right? 99. 99, okay. And that was uh, directed by two unknown filmmakers. Um, I want to say David Haxon. No, Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Oh, Haxon Films is the... Um, Haxon Films is the production company that sort of released it. Yes, yes. Um, how old were you in 99? Oh, let's see. I would have been like 16. Okay. 
I was 23. Um, yeah, and I, I remember seeing that film in the theater before it became the phenomenon that it did at the Piper's Alley Theater in Chicago. Packed out audience, mostly with 18-year-olds, girls. And I mean, the the theater was huge, packed to the brim. Um, what an experience it was. It was amazing. It was quite a phenomenon. Do you remember anything about the promotional campaigns, trailers, flyers, website, anything like that? I only remember the trailers, a couple of the trailers saying this is a found, this is of course before found footage was a thing. It's the father of found footage films, essentially. And so it was marketed as a real thing. And so many people went into it thinking this is a real thing. This is footage that they found um, and they put a film together. So there was a lot of people believing it. Um, I think by the time I saw it, it had been out for a little bit. So I kind of knew that it wasn't. Um, but there was still some skepticism. What is this? this lingering is, doubts. Yeah, so. totally lingering doubts. And uh, I was scared shitless. I find that this movie is quite the acid test on not people's taste in cinema, but in determining how people watch film, because I think with few exceptions, none that I can think of or none, none who I can think of people either love or hate this movie for very specific reasons. And the camp of people that hate this movie is usually divided in two, sometimes with some overlap. Um, the people that complain that you never see anything, spoiler alert, and there's no like, you don't see a witch, there's no special effects of that sort, right? It's all sort of Jaws style, but without the mechanical shark. It's like um different subject, obviously, but it scares you and makes you feel worried for these characters who are lost in the woods based on their reactions, sometimes based on just like eye movement and their very up close reactions, which they did a great job of filming. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, yeah, I think they stick to the found footage format a hundred percent of the time. So one of them three is always behind the camera and they pass it around so that you get acquainted with all the characters. But regardless, um, and then the other camp of people who hate this movie are the ones who get sick because of motion sickness, because of the camera bouncing up and down while they're running around in the woods. They didn't use a steady cam um, to give it a more realistic look, and it works, but it's a little rough for some people. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think another amazing thing about this, right, is that it had, I'll look up the official numbers, but I think we're talking about something like a $50,000 budget. Less than that, like $6,000, something like that. Uh, this is a $60,000 estimated budget and worldwide gross of almost $250 million. 60000 so, I thought it was like mm -hmm. something like six to 12000 initially, but no, I remember it being around fifty. So anyways, um, that might still be to this day the highest grossing film in terms of compared to how much uh not not in total dollars but compared to how much they put in yeah um so yeah pretty incredible what they were able to pull off oh yeah i mean it was a phenomenon it was it was sweeping throughout the country throughout the world and it was genuinely scary and it's hard to scare people in theaters it really is it's hard to come up with something new to really terrify people and this did it and it largely did it not with ghouls and ghosts and witches it did it with what you weren't seeing what you were hearing Right. It, and it also didn't fall into the trope of using jump scares very much. For sure. Um, 
there's the only jumpy moments I feel like are natural for what is happening with the characters. It doesn't feel like a movie jump. It feels like a, oh yeah, if I turn the camera around real quick and my partner turned around and almost hit me or I ran into a weird sculpture in the middle of the woods, like I would jump back too. I'd be like, oh shit, you know, it would startle you. And I think that's the kind of jump scare that you see in the film. Mm -hmm. But the rest of it is a lot of atmosphere and a lot of... You know, when, when, when they lose, I think it's Josh who gets lost and they're, yes. they're screaming for him, right? They're like, Josh, where are you? And you can hear someone yes. screaming in pain, right? And it's sort of like the sound design is interesting too. I don't know if they used any kind of special mics or if they sort of um, remastered it for theater and gave it some surround effect. But the sound design is really good. And I feel like you can hear Josh's voice like all over the woods they're turned around they're scared it's getting dark and they're or it might be dark at this point and as they're turning you hear this voice from the woods you know crying and obviously in pain kind of all around them and so they don't even know where to go and, and they're finding the teeth and hair oh god yeah like a piece of his shirt with yeah. a bloody pile of teeth and hair and you're like so they're building oh god, it up too they're building up this like and so your imagination is taking over and one thing i really wanted to mention this also um connects to the exorcist but it's really the directors and the filmmakers playing into the the intelligence of the audience. I don't think that that happens a lot anymore. I think that there's a shift maybe happening now, but a lot of it is tropes and let's get, you know, let's get through it. Let's finish whatever, but it really takes its time to really set it up. And also the imagination of the audience. Oh, right? absolutely. Their intelligence yeah. of their imagination, right? Yeah. The original Jaws film was scary because you don't know where that shark is. You don't know how big that shark is. It could be under your feet. It could be under their feet. That's terrifying stuff. Your imagination will scare you way more than... I mean, that's why we get scared of the dark. Because we're imagining what might be there. We don't know what's that's there. why we're scared of the ocean or any water oh. usually where you can't see below you. is like mm-hmm. creepy just by nature, you mm-hmm. know? Especially at night, but yeah, in general. Anyways, yeah, I think it plays onto some of our really base fears of abandonment and um, being terrified of something that you can't see, you know? I mean, there's something primitive about it, right? Like, I've heard of people um, maybe not being stalked, but being observed by mountain lions at night. And it's like super creepy I you bet. can see like eyeballs flashing back at you in the night so there's something very primal to fear of something that might hurt you that's out there in the dark that you can't see right there's a real world connection to that i think at least um from a human uh perspective so yeah i think they play perfectly onto that and good for them they were super successful you know they made a bunch of sequels to this yeah there's the two sequels were involved i think um, there's a game book of shadows which was not good. good, but right. actually, Blair Witch Three was really scary. Um, really, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's it's a pretty much a worthy sequel. Nothing will ever top. But also, again, much like The Exorcist, Blair Witch ushered in a whole new genre: paranormal activity of found footage films that continues today. I just watched a film called um, The Fourth Kind. Uh, that that too, but uh, what uh, Grave Encounters, which was kind of shitty, kind of no name actors. Um, Doing it's like Blair Witch in an abandoned hospital, uh, but some mm. interesting scares, some some legitimate mm. things here and there. But otherwise, a, it's kind of a boring film. But really, Blair Witch is what set all that up. I mean, and people continue to do versions. I mean, um, uh, 
what's that movie by J.J. Abrams where there's big, huge things in New York City attacking? Um, it's like a found footage film. Oh, Cloverfield? Cloverfield, yeah. Uh, Cloverfield came out within 10 years of Blair Witch. So it really uh, took the found footage idea and pushed it even further. And it became right. really mainstream and Cloverfield made a lot of money. So it's and it's something that's still alive today. People are making found footage films all the time. They're not as impactful, but they are still they still have merit for sure as a genre. It's a whole genre and it wasn't before. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, um I remember Paranormal Activity. I watched all four of them, I think. And while they were in varying levels of like quality, none of them were terrible. Like the like the first one's good, I think, mm-hmm. and pretty original for what they did. Um and then the fourth kind, I somehow got deceived into thinking that it was kind of a documentary Me about too. these interviews between this woman and her psychologist. And so I was like, oh, okay. And so I was watching it like it was real. And most of it is talking at the beginning until weird shit starts to happen. And it's like not completely unbelievable at first. And so it starts gradually. And so I was like, holy crap, like this, they got this on tape. This is like monumental, you mm-hmm. know? And then of course, as it goes on, things get crazier. Then I realized that it was just like Blair Witch. And I was like, oh man, but it's just funny. Even having experience with that genre, how easy it is to be tricked, you know? For sure. Um, and it's um, so, it's, it's just so impactful and uh, again, authentically scary. I, I haven't seen the original Blair Witch, but I remember seeing, and in quite a few years, but I remember seeing it again later on and being just as scared the second time. I also, and I'm going to bring this up in another frame rate that we do, but I was, lo- I got lost in the woods when I was 15 and it was fucking terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. Being um, lost in the woods, especially in the dark. Oh man. And I wasn't in the dark, but it was during the day, but still it was this huge woods called in, in Southern Illinois. It was called. Genesis Woods or something like that. Um, and I was lost um, and I didn't know where to go. And there was a, a point where I saw hunters in their stands, like, because it was a hunting ground. Mm-hmm. So I was with my dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I right. started yelling because I didn't. And they, I just saw them looking at me, but they wouldn't say anything. And so, no way. Yeah, and so I just kept walking and walking and walking Whoa. and walking and walking. And I had my gun with me because I was deer hunting. Um, anyways, I'll get further into that into in, when we talk about Predator. Dude, um, that sounds like a good horror movie setup right there. <laughs> <laughs> but so Blair Witch, this was post me, you know, this was a few years after me getting lost in the woods. Blair Witch tapped right into that fear of the unknown, fear of being lost in these cavernous woods, and you don't know where to go. Because, of course, they're being turned around in the woods as well. It's It's very frightening. Yeah, definitely. I think we can all relate to that. Um, let's see. I, I want to have a lightning round at the end where we kind of bring up honorable mentions and talk about some of our other favorite scary movies. But um, yeah, let's talk about Hereditary. This one's recent enough that... Yes. Did you see it in theaters? Yes, I did. Ooh, tell us D- about did that. Did you? You didn't see it in theaters? No, no. I didn't see it until at least six months after it came out. I saw it at home. Well, okay, so... Yes, I saw it in theaters. I was just, I was confusing my directors for a second. Um, I ran to the theater to see Hereditary because I love scary films. I loved, 
I I'm typically not someone who gets scared in films. I, I, I know all the tropes. I know what they're trying to do. Sometimes a jump scare gets me, but just because it's the way it's edited, it's not really scary, but all of a sudden there's a bang, there's a whatever. And, um, they're trying to scare you and it works. Hereditary is a, uh, takes a page from a very different kind of filmmaking and it's closer in style to the films of the seventies where it's, there's more ambience. Yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. At least the, feeling of it it's shot differently and the light is different oh for sure the feelings are similar and that whole opening scene where it's a miniature and you're not really sure what you're looking at although you it appears to be a regular house and you realize it's not a regular house but then they cut back to that every so often so it was really genuinely terrifying for me it was really um and it slowly unfolded much like the exorcist where it's like this world that we were we've been um engaged with is changing a little bit every time we go back to it just a little bit it's a little bit weirder it's a little bit weirder of course you also at the heart of this film for a while is this little girl very strange looking much like the exorcist and things start happening around her involving her that are freaky the little girl in hereditary has very specific looks very striking jarring striking features that really play into the storyline so she's unsettling there's an unsettling quality to her and she plays the role unsettling and her whole family is unsettling and she plays someone on the spectrum a little bit right or at least if at a minimum very socially awkward so there's like a weird aura to her and you're kind of like this has got to cause conflict right she's getting picked on at school her parents, I'm sure, are like, huh, is our daughter going to be okay? Mm-hmm. Like, did we have a normal kid or do we need to get tested for something? You know, like, and I think her brother struggles with the relationship mostly just because of like older brother, younger sister. You're trying to be cool and be like a senior in high school or mm-hmm. whatever, junior. Um, speaking of the brother, and I mean, the acting everybody just bring, knocks it out of the oh, park yeah. in this film. And again, like I did not enjoy this film. It's extremely <laughs> well made. It was super disturbing to me. Like I did not enjoy watching it. I would give it a high rating and I think it's great if you like horror. I mean, and I do like horror normally. It's, it's like just, mother. Right. Which I still haven't seen because I know the premise and I'm like, yeah, no thanks. Like there are, I have my limits with kids. I think kids is one where like, I really have a hard time watching kids get hurt especially Mm -hmm. when you see the perspective of the parents i'm really terrified of that whole like i lost my child my child got eaten by a shark like i I just like i think of things i've lost in my life which i haven't had huge losses in my life like i've had a pretty easy life so far and like i think about you know someday my parents or go or like when my grandma passed last year you know things like that but then when I think of losing a child, let alone losing them in some horrifying way, right? But just like losing a child, period, is just like in itself such a terrifying proposition. I think you can make a horror movie out of just the premise of a child being missing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just really terrifying. And it gets um, very graphic in terms of what happens to the little girl. Very, very graphic. And it's, yeah, I, it's an image that's burned into my head forever. And she haunts the rest of the movie kind Mm -hmm. of figuratively and literally. Um, And man, they, you know, again, spoiler alert, but you're on frame rate. So, you know, that we talk about the plot here. Um, You know, she dies essentially in a car accident due to um, kind of just inadvertent coincidence. But, you know, she went to a high school party with her brother and he's driving and he ends up getting her killed in a car accident and it just like changes him as a person, right? It's like 
he can't even, he doesn't even tell his parents what happened. He just lets them, his mom find her dead body in the car the next day. Um, and then he has the scene played by Tony Collette, by the way, who is the mother. Yes. Amazing. I think she's won an award for best actress or best actor in a female role before she is incredible and an anchor point into this film. Also, the husband is played by that Irish actor. What's his name? Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Alex Wolf plays the teenage brother and man, that scene where he's crashing himself into the school desks and bleeding everywhere. And yes. it seems to be a possession. Like it seems to be out of his control. He's being moved to do it. That young actor did such a good job with that scene. It's just gripping. And you're like, Oh my God. Like he's scared shitless of what's happening to him. And yet he's both the, abuser and the victim mm -hmm. all at once and it's just like wow what a what a thing to have to act out you know how many takes of that do they have to do yeah it's it's really an unsettling film um and i would like to watch it again but i even thinking about it right now i'm first fuck sure i'm not work watching it at night um <laughs> yeah and and there's just certain things i gotta be in the right mood for and the and um hereditary is just one where I'm like, yeah, knowing what I'm going into, I can't think of myself being in the mood to watch that. You know, it's like I, yeah, there's just other things that I'll rewatch. I'm glad I watched it, you know, and I watched Midsummer, which is the director's next uh, film, and yeah, the follow up. Um, that motherfucker needs a Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw like, where? I saw that too in Oof. the theater, and I would only see it once. Like Hereditary, I might see again, but. Midsummer's Where's the motivation just... coming from for someone to do like, cause this seems to be his thing. I mean, I guess he's only done two, but it's like, if he does a third film like this, I'm like, damn, you're into some fucked up shit. Well, hereditary is... makes some type of sense. It, 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 it has some kind of context. Okay. It's a little bit of a possession film to some degree or something's happening to this family. Whereas with Midsummer, it was like, what the fuck is this about? Even it wasn't about anything wasn't about anything it was just it seemed gratuitous um i saw it with a friend of mine who's a director and yeah i might uh, i remember he, he he said looked at me and i have much respect for him he was just kind of like what was this about and i was feeling the same thing like we kept looking at each other in the theater like what what are they doing it there was no point to it all at all i it, i uh, I'm like 90 I'm like 87% with you. I wouldn't say that it was completely pointless. Um I think there are some uh, at least I don't know. As someone who feels like an immigrant, like I was a born a US citizen, but I still emigrated here when I was 11. So I definitely know what it's like to feel bicultural and I know what it's like to not feel accepted and not feel at home in a specific culture because you're kind of like one foot in the door and one foot out. And, you know, one one group is calling you the American, the other group's calling you the Italian in my case. Um, but I've talked to other bicultural people and they relate to this feeling. And so there's something that fits very well in a horror movie in the terms of, in terms of uncertainty putting these American kids um, in this, uh, what is it? Swedish mm -hmm. or Danish? I can't remember where. I think it's Sweden. I think it's I, Swedish, right? It's Norwegian, whatever. Or not Norwegian, but Scandinavian. 
right, right, right. Yeah. So anyways, let, let's say it's hopefully we're right. Let's say it's in Sweden. Um, but they're learning all these new customs, right? And so it's not that different from you finding a strange house in the woods with a family in it mm-hmm. and you're lost, right? Your Jeep gets lost, whatever. And so you run out of gas, right? And you go get help and then they invite you to stay for dinner and like to sleep over. Right. And as you stay, things start to get weirder and weirder. And you're like, uh, something fucked up is going on here. I mean, uh, even I'm thinking of ending things had that feeling for mm-hmm. a while, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't really know where it was going, but it kind of, had these elements of a strange family meeting in a horror film where you're like, Oh, somebody's going to not be what they seem to be here. And so that element is well baked into this concept of these guys doing this foreign trip to, to Europe and checking out this solstice festival. Anyways, I know we're not even talking about this movie, so I'm getting a little too involved, but um, I think that movie is a lot about that and about sort of like, what do we accept in our society that other societies would find fucked up because our reaction to some of the things this culture is doing, we're like, Oh, that's fucked up. But when you think about the suicide of the uh, elderly man and you're like, no, this is a beautiful thing. Like he's choosing to end his life towards the end of his life. But like, we're here to celebrate his life. Like we are so against the concept of suicide that it's like off putting, but you know, there's certainly something to be talked about there, I think. And so a lot of the weird imagery takes over and certainly the director writer really likes that aspect of it. And he's really likes to be shocking, but I wouldn't say it's completely devoid of meaning and not to mention that well, certain I don't know scenes if it's devoid of meaning. I just don't know what it's, it lacks coherence. I don't really worry. You sort Maybe. of, it sort of starts with, okay, this girl's going through whatever. Um, she's going through her time. She takes a trip. And then it sort of unravels from there. Um, and I, I think it's adeptly made, incredibly acted, beautiful to look at. As um, one of the already famous, one of the best um, psychedelic scenes in a film, meaning mm-hmm. one of the best depictions of what it's like specifically to be on psychedelic mushroom, mm-hmm. which is a hard thing to describe to someone, especially if they haven't experienced it. But I think the film does a great job of showing that scene. Hey, look, we ended up talking about four movies. Um but uh, yeah, that's interesting. See, that's one that I would rewatch to try and garner more meaning out of Predatory. Like I'm good on just mm-hmm. because again, it's like so much more disturbing. I thought um, I wouldn't watch Midsummer, but I would watch Hereditary just because I well, like the feeling of being sh- disturbed. Sh- <laughs> Sure. But I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I would. I'd Forget like to watch it again with someone I who hasn't seen it. Not alone. Like I would watch mm-hmm. Mother again with someone who hasn't seen it, but I would never watch it alone. Just to, right. to discuss it. I would love to discuss it on frame rate. At some sure. point. I'm trying to convince your sister to invite me over so we can all watch it. And she's game. But so we'll see. Girl, I ain't watching that movie. So <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who we is, but it ain't me, her, be. and her roommate. All right. Very well. You and the cats have West, a great time. Wes Bentley. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so should we do a quick round of films that we also find scary? Yeah. Jaws. Terrifying. Yeah. Um, some somewhat semi more recent films, the woman in black with Daniel Radcliffe, the movie scared the fuck out of me. Mm, Okay. I haven't seen that one. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, there's, there's, um, now I'm kind of going to blank, you know, nightmare on Elm street and, uh, like Friday the 13th and those like, 
I, if those are on, I'm okay with watching it, especially if it's kind of historical and sort of the first ones. I think um, Evil Dead is really disturbing, and Evil Dead 2 takes kind of a lighter look at it, but I think those are really cool. Um, there's a lot of, you know, actually, I'll, I'll take, maybe if you want to keep thinking about some old ones, of course, we've already done The Shining on frame rate, which is a great, like, mm-hmm. kind of this time of year really terrifying movie um we also give a lot of props to dr sleep i yes. don't think patrick has seen it yet and i haven't seen the director's cut no yet, he's, I think seen it's it. available. he's seen it i think okay sure. so he's seen it that's a good one i think we did yeah we did yeah, a frame on dr yeah, sleep as well yeah that was a great one um and of modern ones that kind of do something a little bit original I really enjoyed, um, first of all, A Quiet Place is fun if you don't like rip apart the details of it. I think it's well made for what it is. It's not a deep movie. I think it starts out strong and ends and ends really weak. The sequel looks better, to be honest with you. Interesting. I didn't think it ended really weak. It, it could have ended better, but. I just yeah, didn't like, like the monsters. The monsters, the design for the monsters. like a, a Yeah, I remember of- you and Patrick not being stoked on the design. To be honest, I would have just shown the design less. I didn't care about the design of the monsters i like there's enough going on in that film with all the like being quiet and sneaking around that i think you can focus on the characters and the monsters can just be quick things and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden oh shit our kid's gone like Mm -hmm. like like the scene where the child gets abducted at the beginning it's like you don't i don't need to see that monster doing it it's like terrifying enough that the child is now evaporated you know um but yeah some recent things um like i thought the babadook was really good and kind yes. of has a psychological spin onto things um the hole you know in the ground I, have you seen that Ooh, i haven't seen that very good irish film very creepy um, nice i'll have to check that out there's another one i want to mention that i haven't seen yet it's iranian but i think it's called a girl walks alone at night it's yes, a vampire movie. yes i want to see that too i haven't seen it okay Ooh, we should have a date night and put it on there is um a film called lights out by the director of the guy who did shazam Ooh, one of the either. scariest films i've ever seen no um, yes and it's not like it's not it's a short film so the short film was on youtube for free and then the produ- some studio came in and said we love this we would love for you to make a feature film so the director of the short film made a feature film for 4.7 million and the movie made like 148 million dollars um so it made shit tons of money and then he That's went on solid. to do other things they're supposed to make a sequel they never did lights out is one of the most scary one of the scariest films i've seen um in the last 10 years I'll have to check it out. Um, I liked High Tension. That was a French oh, or a Canadian film. Do you remember movie. that? Yes, I do. I can't. That was a that disturbed that, me. I won't spoil that. It has a cool psychological twist at the end that like is kind of like comes out of the blue and is unexpected. And I thought was really well done. Um, yeah. Some more modern stuff. There's a couple of really cool vampire movies I really enjoyed. Um, let me in and let the right one. Yes. In. And I can't remember which one's the Scandinavian one and which one's the American one, but nonetheless, let me in's the American one. Okay. So interestingly, these films were the American was obviously a remake of the Scandinavian version. Um, but it's slightly different mm-hmm. and it's also really good. Yes. It has different strengths and weaknesses, but it's a, that's what I like about them. They're a really rare pair of a foreign film and an American remake that are both good in their own way and are both good to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, The Scandinavian one has this lovely dark melancholic background that it's like, it's like a love story that reminds you of being in love as a child, except that 
it's tragic the entire time. So there's this feeling of love and closeness that the main character has with this little girl. And you really feel that. But again, it's tragic because of the circumstances and because of what she is and how she needs to live her life. Um, but I loved the concept. It was mm-hmm. just really beautiful and powerful and yep. sweet. Um, you know, her relationship with her and her relationship with the old man are both these different loving relationships and connections amidst this like, yeah, kind of horror story, right? She like murders several people and she definitely drinks blood and she's a vampire. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's got heart. Yeah. Really good. Um, and the seek, the, the remake really captures or maintains the essence of the original. It really has that, they do that quiet, that quiet soul, that quiet, um, beauty of the original and oftentimes but, American remakes don't they it's gone right but the American remake I think had a better effects budget so like the scene where the cats attack the neighbor woman for example I remember specifically being a lot cheesier and like not as good mm-hmm. I believe in the original film the American version was um, a lot better looking wasn't that Matt so, Reeves who directed that I don't I remember like. but Anyways, uh, not to get too bogged down, and again, throw some more in here if you think of them, but there's also one that I've been wanting to do on Frame It, I'm sure we will eventually, but it uh, it comes at night. I found it comes at night to be super cool because it's another Blair Witch one, not in its style, but in the concept that people either love it or hate it because there's no direct monster. It is post-apocalyptic without being tropey although certainly the theme of there is no monster like we're the monster Mm -hmm. is kind Mm -hmm. of there right our our imagination is the monster sure yeah but but also the way we treat each other is the monster you know what i mean and like having to be super fearful of strangers and having to kill people you know the road falls in this category to a to more of an extreme like the road is rough but it's really beautiful in a dark and stark manner um and then of course we've got a lot of the other films we talk about certainly in the alien series one could certainly argue that the first 1979 alien is a is a science fiction horror film um and yeah i think that's all that's coming to mind right now if i if i think follows is i think oh thank you i love it follows i i didn't like the ending of it but i thought most of the film was really really good Um, brilliant i mean the way they used i thought was really good too Nice. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's on my list. I'm, I'm like about to see it, but uh, Train to Busan, I haven't seen yet. And yeah, I, that's, that's really that's good. More, that's like tongue in cheek comical. It's not really serious. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. I'll have to check it out. I didn't get that feeling from the previous. Yeah, you film. don't. And then I. Well. Well, I think I'm done. You got anything else? No, I, I think uh, that's that's a bunch of movies even to, to watch for those who haven't seen or to rewatch with friends. Um, socially distanced. Yeah, right. we'll uh, we'll put this out. Uh, this will probably come out the night before Halloween. So we know happy Halloween, that, everybody. Happy Halloween. We know that a lot of you uh, certainly aren't trick or treating. Depending on where you are in the country, there's still lots of lockdowns. They might be tricking. Factor. <laughs> What's at that? Home. I said they might be tricking at home by themselves. <laughs> You'll have to forgive my uh, partner here. He's in his sixties, so you know he's, he's he's got grandpa jokes. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, yeah, everybody, um, be safe. If you do hang out, you know, be careful. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon with another episode of Framerate. Thanks again for the support.
Again, you can go to perfectorganism.com forward slash support or bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support and um, click on the donate button. And for two bucks a month, you get these two extra films. Um, So yeah, we hope to see you guys there. And if you want to participate in discussions, you can start a thread. uh, If you're a patron, Patreon has its own threads and its own area where you can comment on the website. And so you can leave notes and comments and likes and dislikes on the episodes. And then for everyone who's listening to the bonus episode, you can go to Fields of Calantha, for example, which is our uh, Blade Runner podcast related for this, the Shoulder of Orion discussion group. But if you want to bring up a frame rate episode, we post those in our discussion groups. And so uh, ideally under the banner of the uh, film, we can have a discussion there. So um, yeah, we've been wanting to make a little more of an appearance. We know Jamie's on there a lot, but Patrick and Dan want to also come on and have some conversations with you guys. So We will talk soon. Stay safe.